Today's guest is Father Troy Beecham. Now, I've known Father Troy for over 20 years, before he was even accepted in the seminary, and he was simply Troy. He grew up in Atlanta, but he gathered experience across the globe, acquiring five languages to help him properly understand sacred texts. Troy is who actually personally came into my brick and mortar offices and blessed my practices in ceremonial cleansing. And I've had the honor to participate as he led mass in College Park numerous times. Whether he is walking El Camino in Spain, mastering Hebrew in Jerusalem, working in Chicago, New York, or here in Atlanta, currently as the Dean of the Cathedral Church of St. Paul in Des Moines, Iowa, Father Troy has always been true to sharpening his sword of truth. He is a light of the world in my heart. This is the longest interview I have ever done, but it is by far my favorite. He kept saying one thing after the other that simply kept blowing my mind that I just couldn't stop him. I was incredibly impressed, enamored, and many times very surprised at his advice. This is one not to be missed, in my opinion. Here's Father Troy. I decided to go ahead and split Father Troy's podcast into two parts. So here is part one. Part two is coming in a couple weeks. Enjoy. If you love people, you tell them uncomfortable things if it's necessary. And you also love them I mean, emotionally. You know, you hug them emotionally or physically if it's appropriate. But if you love people, if we really love people, we tell them the truth. And, and the truth is not always easy. And particularly in a culture in which we live, which hates truth. <laughs> it does everything it can, all the powers that be, to cover over the truth and say it's inconvenient. Here's another thing, right? I remember a quote from Orwell. I mean, I was I was the kid who read 1984 and was like, oh my God, I, you know, this is the world that we're living in and it's happening. And you know, I became an evangelist for authoritarianism and right how to and I remember this quote it says that the last and most important command from the authority was, uh, you do not believe the evidence of your own eyes. Its most important command was to convince people to not have the ability to discern truth from falsehood or to have inner strength. Welcome to the Strong Man Podcast with Dr. Rimka one mom's quest to support her son through his rites of passage and becoming what I hope is a man of courage, resilience, and compassion in a world seemingly gone mad. Because it's the Strongman Podcast. And it's a very interesting title that actually triggered a lot of weird responses that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I I wasn't expecting it because I'm very much an idealist as well. And words have basic meanings and they don't need 47 new ones and I'm like what is the big deal and it's about you know me raising my son right who you know I haven't seen him in a long time but you've personally you know you know him and that and I've watched yeah like having this moment you know Troy like when he was about nine or ten I realized oh god he's gonna be a man 
Yeah, like it was a too. really weird moment as a mother, right? A thing I used to, he used to breastfeed and I changed his diaper. He was a little baby in the bathtub and all the things. And right. it was like, oh, there's going to be stubble and pubic hair and sex one day. What the fuck am yeah. I going to do with this? Yeah, yeah. and you right? better start now. <laughs> yeah, and like, right, like it was, and I really got very clear on my responsibility on, yeah. oh, what kind of man do I want him to be? Right. Yeah. And especially looking at the things in the world. And what kind of man does the world need him to be? Right. Like all of that. And I saw that as a response. Like, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is no joke. And I'm do the best I can. And he's he has his own free soul that's come in with his journey. I thought that's a really hard thing, the attachment issue for the parents to let that go. Like I yeah. am only so influential, actually, because sure. that's his he's chosen with yeah. his relationship and his choice is what he's done. I can't only do so much. Sure. So yeah. I I was like, I need to write it down. I need to like write my last wishes. It was kind of that thought, like if something were to happen to me. How oh, I make right, sure right, then right. it has something, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. just hard to write a book. It's hard to get stuff done. I have, I've started, I've got lots of chapters and I'm all over the place. It's like five books in one at this point. I'm like, <laughs> so I said, let me pause and let me turn it into this podcast. I can at least do this. I can talk. Yeah. And let me ask these men that I know, that yeah. I see, most of you I know in real life. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And in some, I'm like, it's just, I've admired from afar and I've been able to get this author or this you nice. know, podcaster. Right. Yeah. And it's all about like, there's a quality about you that I find very strong and that I would want my son to like, Thank you. Thank right. You. And I was really, um, it, again, with the title, people had a very strong opinion on what they thought I meant by it. Yeah, like it had to be by that. I don't understand. I mean, I do understand it, but you I know, don't. Yeah, I guess it's there. You know, everybody brings their own projections, and their own filters, mm -hmm. right? And for me, it was like what you just described. It's like you're a man that's that has the strength to say the truth. You have the man to stand opposite of the way the current is going. The man that stands for love. The man that will do whatever yeah. sacrifice to take care of others. Yeah. I see that as. Thank stability you. i see that as uh you know like to me like emotional capacity intelligence vulnerability yeah. it's stability right being that i'm a brain doctor i want mental stability i don't see how anybody can be strong i don't men that are not mentally stable will make they're weak and they'll make poor choices that put me and other people women and children in danger Absolutely. and I, I don't want that right yeah. so to me strength is safety so Absolutely. when I'm when I'm surrounded by a bunch of men that I consider very strong men, that some might call an alpha male, some look very physically like threatening in a way, you know, like wow, yeah. or whatever that is. Like I feel very safe. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like he's not gonna let anything happen to me. Like you know what I'm saying? So I do. Whether, I feel that yeah. way when I see big guys that yeah. I can trust. Well, and even you, like people you can't see, you're not a very large physical energy, but your spiritual and energetic energy is very big, yeah. right? You're one of those same way where I could be like, what, what are you talking about? I mean, he's next to me, what's gonna happen, yeah. right? Like whatever, because it, there's strength that has many, many forms. Yeah, it does. And you described it, it, it's, you know, as your friend, you know, maybe tell them a little bit how we met. We've known each other a really long time. I was 20 I know, years, like right? 20 years. Yeah, over, right? That's crazy. <laughs> and so I met you before you were a priest. Yes, I was um, in the process. Yeah, so yeah. Tell and me a little I, about like that. And because I've always, 
you know, Troy, I've always admired, I, I've, I've admired you. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Honestly, since the day I met you. Yeah. And I've, I've felt the same I, about you. I love you so much, you know, like. Yeah, so, I love you too. Yeah, I'm going to let him tell the story a little bit. And then I, I was, I, it, I'm just looking for how did anything you can, how did you get like this? How, how, what can you tell other parents? Not even just single moms. There's a lot of us out here trying to raise boys. We don't really know totally. Um, I'm a firm believer. Men really need men. You really need men in that rite of passage. But like a lot of women are, they don't have the connection or they're afraid of it. They're even afraid of their sons becoming men because men have hurt them. You know, so it's a very confusing time for many women. Um, And there's a lot of suppression of masculinity, which leads to the toxic masculinity. And then, you know what I mean? It's so all over the place right now. Um, And so I want to like. That's intentional. Yeah. That's by design. Yes. Tell them who you are a little bit, how we met and I'm looking for basically advice for me and, you know, many yeah. others out there right now that are struggling because we're trying to raise these boys in an atmosphere. It's tough. Yeah, so. it is. Well, thankfully, I grew up um, uh, uh, with a strong uh, family unit. I, I was raised, I knew half of my great grandparents. Um, I have a very long lived family. Um, I grew up uh, with an uncle next door. I grew up constantly being uh, raised around my uncles. I have all uncles. <laughs> my mom, poor woman, she was she was the middle child of, of five kids and the other two older brothers and two younger brothers, right? So my family is, it's almost all men. Mm-hmm. And they're not all uh, healthy men. They're not all healthy in uh, all kinds of ways. Um, and there's, especially my mom's side of the family, there's a lot of toxic masculinity, a lot of um, hyperaggression. Um, that's the biggest one. Instantly triggered hyperaggression, um, no capacity uh, for humility, no capacity for um, simply to be able to stand in the middle of what's crazy and not be triggered by it. I, I got that um, from my dad. Uh, who, who he's just, my, my dad is a, just a giant in my life, right? And my dad, um, he's, you know, he's my hero. He always has been. He uh, has, in my lifetime, I've seen him be, ang- I mean, truly angry um, in, a, in a sense that you could recognize it um, twice and become, um, what I would think of as aggressive. And of course my mom coming from the family where she did with a father who loved, but did not know how to show love um, and raised four boys. As an example, uh, my mom once, she said she was, I don't know, seven or eight. And she went to her dad uh, because you know she was being bullied by her brothers. And so uh, my grandfather called one of uh, my uncles in and uh, said, uh, did you hit Sandy? Uh, and, he, and he said, yes, sir, I did. And he gave him, he, he gave him a monetary reward and, and, and he blamed her for being a tattletale and a snitch, right? I mean, that's how my mom grew up, right? So she picks this man, my dad, 
who is just a gentle, gentle man, but has a core of steel. <laughs> and you don't feel it unless you get up and you hit him. <laughs> and I've only seen that happen, I think twice in my life. Um, and that was, um, it didn't frighten me. It actually made me feel safe mm -hmm. because I knew, I mean, my dad is so kind. He's just sweet. He, he's the most gentleman you've ever met. But to know that when it was required to stand up and get in somebody's face and say, you, you cannot cross this line ever again and you, you have no longer have access to my family, right? A close family friend, right? To see him able to do that at great personal cost, because that hurts to do that, right? But he did it. And so I grew up with a father who was like that. And I, and I grew up with a mom who didn't trust it. So we grew up with this dance, right? She did a lot of undercutting um, because she just didn't trust that a man could be strong and gentle. And all she knew was this hyper-aggressive, toxic, explosive, uh, ready to fight. I mean, literally ready to fight. Um, at the, I mean, you look wrong at one of my uncles. And I'm not kidding you, even at this, at their ages, they're all in their seventies. I got, I've got two of them who will still <laughs> want, to want to fight you, fist fight you over nothing, right? So my mom has been in this long, I mean, they've been married 58 and a half years now. She's had a long journey of learning how to trust my father's uh, strength. Um, She's had a lifetime of checking it just to make sure that it's there, right? <laughs> and it's hard growing up with that. Um, especially, this is especially true for my, my older brothers um, of, of questioning whether or not my dad is really there, whether he's strong, whether he's right. There's a lot of undercutting language, a lot of disrespect. Um, and it's been a lifetime of learning how to unlearn all of that and to say to my mother and to my brothers, um, this is, we've, we've grown up, you know, disrespecting um, my father. And I just want you to know, I love you, but I'm not part of that anymore. I'm not, not on your team, but I'm not, I'm not doing that because I'm, I'm learning what it means to be a really healthy man, to be a really healthy adult, male or female, man or woman, right? Just to be an adult. <laughs> yeah. like most of the people yeah. in, in my life and it's probably true in your life uh, my uncles are all in their 70s and 80s they never left high school mentally they're still there emotionally right? we, this, this country our culture does not want uh, adults healthy actual adults we like grown up children because we're easy to manipulate if you're a grown up child who's uh, at the mercy of your emotions, right? And afraid of bullies and afraid of, and not, not ever having been in the gymnasium, uh, the spiritual gymnasium to develop the strength to be able just to stand and say, no, <laughs> just no, <laughs> right? Our culture is working against that. 
everything our culture does is meant to leave us um, not only perpetual children emotionally, but also prisoners of our appetites. Um, when I, you know, when I think about, I've, I've got a nephew and I love him so much. And he, he literally is addicted to video gaming so much so that he can't keep work. He can't function. He sleeps until five in the evening, gets up and has something to eat and then starts gaming again. Right, it's, it's this incapacity um, as an adult to say that such as we should enjoy life, um, but being a prisoner of our desires makes us prisoners of people who control the things that we desire. So being able to fast from, from visual media, put down your phone, stop scrolling, on Facebook at two in the morning until your eyes are fried and you know, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Learn how to fast. <laughs> I mean that 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 that's learn how to fast from toxic emotions, from toxic people, learn how to fast from toxic media. Uh, the, but our, our culture doesn't want people who have inner continence, inner stability. It just doesn't. And it's and it's hard to find people that you trust, isn't it? It's hard to find people who have done the work and are doing it because it never stops. You, you never just, you don't reach it. You're, you're always in a journey. And hopefully you've discovered other people who can journey with you and support you when, when you're down and celebrate you when you're up, right? I mean, that's what we're looking for. Um, and we're looking for it um, in, in a culture that does not want us to find each other, does not want us to actually be adults, right? It, we, we live in a culture that does everything it can to keep us in a state of emotional infancy because it, it makes us controllable. And, and that's, that, that's the, the aim. Mm -hmm. People who love power, who desire power over others. It, it's a long game and it, you know, it's cyclical, right? Mm -hmm. Over time. And we're, we're, we're entering a phase where uh, suddenly, um, the powers that are behind the powers, <laughs> they've been working at least. And I remember I, I started saying this about, the, before I met you, I was saying this to my, 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 my family. Um, uh, about politics, that the people that you see and the people that we think that we're voting for, right? They're appointed. <laughs> our votes are, it's, it's, it's a way of making us feel like we have some control and authority in our lives. Right. So the powers that are behind the powers, they're doing everything they can to, to turn us all into um, basically a herd. <laughs> they they want a workforce. They want, they, they want serfs. Um, and that's true because, uh, and it's not just in politics, it's in economics, it's in uh, all the spiritual traditions, not just the church. And the church has been in the last, actually I did, a, um, I did an interview with a woman. She's a, a, a famous um, uh, journalist. She was one of the journalists who finally managed to break the uh, story in Boston about the abuse in the Roman Catholic church. Um, and of course she was banned after that. And so what she spent the last 20 years doing 
Um, she's been going around the world uh, advocating for one of the other things that I do a lot of um, uh, with what influence I have is to point the finger that slavery never ended. <laughs> and women and girls especially. Um, so she has spent the last 20 years of her life because she got chased out of her job and no newspaper would hire her, right? Because toxic masculinity, right? She told so the she, truth. Yeah, she told the truth. She stood up and she told the truth. She paid the price, but she said, I knew it. I knew I was going to pay a price, right? And so she spent the last 20 years, um, she's very well known um, internationally, uh, talking about especially the, the rights of girls and women, particularly in cultures where religiously, economically, culturally, socially, that's, you know, there's no such thing. What, what do you mean women? They're, they're, they're people. <laughs> they're not just receptacles for, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So anyway, you're told, tell me about me. Uh, so, so growing up with all of that, I grew up with a very strong father. Thank you, God. Thank you, universe, that I grew up with a very strong father. Um, and he had a, two very strong grandfathers um, whom I knew. Um, and they were gentlemen, but they, they, were, they, were, they were absolute. And in their own ecclesiastical context, um, they don't have professional preachers, they're an ordained people. And it's just whoever, whoever is the person in charge who in a community that's not supposed to have anybody in charge, right? Somebody just goes up and hands the Bible and says, give us a, give us a message, uh, Brother Tommy. Well, my, my two grandfathers were known for giving these sermons that just pissed everybody off <laughs> because they just told the truth. Yeah. They just told the truth, right? This is the ideal that we espouse and this is what we're doing <laughs> and we can do better. <laughs> right. Sounds right? a lot like somebody we know named Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the thing that was, so I, I, I grew up understanding and my, I talked to my, my grandparents, my great grandparents a lot. And I, I, I talk with my dad I mean, we grew up um, reading the scriptures together. We, we grew up praying together as a family. We grew up, um, it, it was mostly me, um, really reading the Bible and, and asking questions. And uh, that was where I learned. Um, and it's not just in the Christian part of the story, but in the, the pre-Jesus part of the, the Judaic um, religious story that the people who stand up, there's, there's always a price. Um, when the Jewish people had been made captive and they were in Babylon and the emperor comes by and everybody bows except these three, three uh, Jewish young men. And what does the guy say? Bow or I'm going to put you in that furnace. And they said, we, we, we worship God and God alone. We will not bow before men. <laughs> and so what did, what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he put him in a furnace. And when the flames were hot, uh, people said, there's somebody else in there with them. Right? There, there was a, an angelic being. 
And when the flames died down, they walked out and they're like, that's it for the truth, <laughs> right? You have to under, that was one of the things that I, I understood early, that if, if you're going to learn how to stand, you're not doing it because, I mean, a lot of people do it in my, just in my experience, a lot of people like to stand up and be controversial, right? They like to cause waves. They like to stir the pot, but those folks are doing it to draw attention to themselves. There's a difference between that and simply standing before the emperor and refusing to bow, to kneel. That doesn't require a lot of, hey, look at me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not special. I have no expectations that when I go into that fiery furnace that I'm not going to die, right? But I have made a commitment. I have been trained in the truth. Um, I've been in the gymnasium of the soul long enough and been trained by strong people of faith that that's what I can do and I will do it. And my story with the church is I was the kid, you know, my, my dad was always seeking the truth. And so we didn't grow up with one single Christian tradition. We went from whatever was hot to the next thing that was hot. <laughs> and most of it was people like when they feel, oh, they feel the Holy Ghost, they start running or, you know. And I was the kid that when I feel the presence of God, I get really still and quiet. And I kneel right there in the pew, right? While everybody else is running. And that's great. And I took a lot of crap, especially in my undergraduate seminary, which was a Pentecostal seminary. And everybody's running, right? And shouting and speaking in tongue. And, and there, there's Troy, he's, he's gotten quiet. And it wasn't every time, just because people start running doesn't mean God's present, just means I got excited. Woo, glory, yay. <laughs> but when the genuine uh, divine becomes present to us in a, in a very clear way, my response is always to get quiet, right? I'm here to listen. <laughs> I'm not here to, to ask or even to tell. I, I, I'm, I'm going to listen and I'm going to be quiet because you've, you've come and made yourself known to transform, right? To transform us. And it's hard, it's kind of hard to get your cup filled if you're running around the room <laughs> because, right? The, the water spout's right here. So I learned how to recognize that there's the fountain and I'm going to go there and I'm going to wait quietly and patiently. And I don't care if people, I got made fun of for four years at that place. <laughs> yeah, wow. that, was not, that, that was not a good time for me. And so I explored the Roman Catholic church. Um, and by that time I had taught myself Hebrew and was, and then eventually, uh, uh, I learned Greek while I was in my undergraduate seminary. Um, I remember my fourth year, this guy got up and started preaching this God awful sermon. And he started saying, well, I, I studied the Greek and blah, blah, blah. And something physically took hold of me and made me, picked me up. And here's a crowd of like 10,000 people and it's being televised, right? And something inside me said, that kind of, 
narcissistic lying. It's not that your message was bad, but you, you shouldn't have said, this is what the Bible says. If you've got a message, just bring it. But if you say, I studied the Bible, and this is what it says, and it doesn't say that. <laughs> so I remember feeling this, like a hand grabbed, like a grabbed my inside and just made me stand up. And I was apparently getting ready to go up on stage. <laughs> on live TV, <laughs> and call this man out. And my brother, uh, who was there, uh, said to a, a, a friend who was on the other side of me, and I didn't, I didn't hear them say, sit down, Troy. I didn't, I was not aware of them. I was only aware that I was being directed to go up there and confront this absolute fiction by this grotesquely narcissistic person. And apparently they wrestled me down and, 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 and made me sit. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I maybe it's not such a mystery why bishops don't like me. <laughs> maybe it's not a great mystery why authority figures who either already are or are on the journey of becoming toxically, grotesquely narcissistic and deformed, they become deformed. That's the thing that people don't get. All of this deforms us. Right. It, it def if we could see what's happening to our soul, into our brain, to our mind. I mean, you can see it in imaging. PTSD, you can see the damage to the brain. Even if it wasn't a traumatic brain injury, if it was an emotional or spiritual injury, I mean, you can see it. It's there. If we could just see how deformed this world and the powers that are in it want to make us and make us incapable of standing, incapable of standing up and saying no, incapable of standing up and saying yes, when it's appropriate, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. If we could only see that, and that's why the powers that are work so hard to keep us distracted, right? They, they don't want us to look. They know that if we saw it, I think, I think if most of us saw it, we would be so terrified, we would just collapse and we don't have the stability to see what's being done to us. Um, I wish we could see it. Um, you know, you're in a position though, Troy. So like, right, as a priest, mm -hmm. you see it, right? And so when you've been confronted and seeing it in someone, right? And obviously I do brain imaging. I do, I help PTSD. I record yeah. QEGs and, yeah. and I yeah. do spiritual work. So I see it. I feel it. Yeah, right? yeah, so where, where's their soul? What's just happened? Who, wh what? Right? Yeah. Been knocked out of them and it's just barely hanging right. a little thread. Like a person walking around with no soul. It's actually stunning when you start to realize that that's reality. I, that's I've real. been saying this for years. What I see around me a lot is I see, because we're animals and we have transcendent more stuff, but we're still animals. I can't tell you the number of people that I have seen who are animals 
and the human part of them is gone. It, you know, we all have had the experience of, you know, I just drove an hour through midtown traffic. I navigated how many lane changes and I just pulled into my garage. I'm like, how did I get here? Right, there's a, there's a built-in um, operating system and it's, right, it's there to, it's supposed to keep the organism, organism alive. Right. That organism is intelligent and it's an intelligence that lies mostly in our subconscious and our unconscious. I have met and they they're terrifying. There are people walking around and a lot of them are on TV and in political office and in church office and in all kinds of positions of, of, of authority. Um, the human part of them is simply absent and they are the most dangerous creatures on our planet in physical form. I mean, there are other, there are other beings that, <laughs> and yeah. they're damn dangerous. Right. But these, and I, I bet you've seen it. Oh, yeah. And I, it was only a couple of years ago that I, I kept trying to put it into words. And finally, one day, it just kind of clicked. Th those, are, those are just human animals walking around and they are cunning, but they're animals, they're predators, they're apex predators. And that's terrifying that they're intelligent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Right, the human animal without the human spirit is it's intelligent, it's adaptive, it's smart. <laughs> Yours is a much better description actually. And it kind of shows even maybe, I call, I typically refer to them as the living dead. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but yours, but my, mine has a passivity to it. And I think it's the mother in me that doesn't want to believe what you just said, because mm -hmm. they are, a, you're right. They they're are ex predators and there, there is animals. this, yeah, there is. That's where we might like, if you want to, I really struggled when my son was telling me like there were bad people, let's say evil. And I didn't want him to, I, I, I want to live in the, I was so maternal and so utopian and unicorns. And I want to live there too. Right. <laughs> and, but it was, it was confusing him in a way I wanted him to feel so safe. I was speaking in textual non-reality because he damn well knew what he was feeling and what he was seeing. Yeah, so yeah. I, when I realized I was inadvertently making him wrong because mm -hmm. I was terrified yeah. and I had to go, no. And it, one of my mentors who was a man was yeah. able to say, you need to stop. I, yeah. you, I like how maternal you've become, but it's too much at, the, at this point. You got to like get it together, bring your masculine back. And that's yeah. what Barry T is like, you've lost your masculine. Yeah. You must bring him back on board. Yeah, absolutely. No, and masculine doesn't mean violent. And that was where I was too. Like my masculine was going to be violent and I didn't want that anymore. And so I had to learn how to bring like your father part of myself back on board and knowing it's completely okay for me to display righteous anger. Absolutely. Very, which is what you described. I'm like, oh no. And once I owned that differently mm -hmm. and proclaimed that with my son when, as his mother, I said, no. Yeah. And then he very well knew he could relax into that. And I agreed, you're right, because he was seeing these apex, you know, seeing them. And I realized as a woman, I've seen them all the time as well, because I know how to navigate and know what to do and how to avoid. 
Um, oh yeah, right. You know what I mean? I don't, and it's like sometimes it's just this knowing. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like that guy? No. Are you I kidding? started seeing it when I was about five or six, and I started yeah. bringing it out to my parents. Um, and they were very, when they were just, what is this five-year-old? <laughs> it's weird when you know your whole life. I was the same way, and yeah. I just thought everybody knew. You know, I did too. Similar. You think everybody knows? We just don't talk about it. I was six. Yeah, and you realize they don't know. Nobody else saw it. Yeah, I'm like, what are you talking? Not even my parents. I know. And thankfully, they didn't shame me, and they also didn't hustle me off to um, a psychiatrist. My my dad's brother, who lived next door, is a psychiatrist. He's retired now. Um, But starting from a very young age, um, I got confused because. You know, I would dream an entire day and then wake up and walk through what I just dreamt through. And I got kind of confused when I was five, six, seven. Um, And so I started talking about it. And my parents were like, is this the beginning of, you know, childhood psychosis? I mean, what the crap? And I also started seeing uh, beings, right? That nobody else around me could see. And, And thankfully my parents didn't because that was, Within our religious tradition, that was that was a known um, experience. They didn't expect it out of their six-year-old, but it wasn't something that couldn't be absorbed on some level. Mm-hmm. I learned to stop talking about it though when I was six because I was told by an adult that I was lying. So I I I, I didn't talk about it. Um, I I started seeing these human animals. Yeah at a very young age. Um, So let's talk about like, so look at the same way. So like you you deal with this and though people who are listening and I know some of them are like, probably like, what are they talking about? Others others are, oh yeah, I know that. Or like (laughs) saying it, right. They they can go, goodbye, right. But you know, that's, hey, first first rule of marketing, repel. (laughs) I don't care if I repulse you, goodbye. Yeah, so, just right? speak the truth, right? Yeah, because yeah. you love people. Yeah. Because you love people, love, you protect love them. Yes, and this is where we're at, right? You have so to speak the truth. With what you do, we both are in different positions of helping people in different yeah. ways that we do it. Yeah. Have yeah, yeah. you have you figured out any way to actually help those kind of so again, I think there's that extreme, right? You're just describing, and then there's this thing in between, right? And I learned a lot. I, I don't help these. I've just, I, I, I used to try no. and then I realized, oh no. And once I became okay with, I'm not a failure. It doesn't mean I don't love. It doesn't mean I'm not being in service, but yeah. if something is, I, I won't it's hurt beyond my pig I won't hurt myself. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I won't hurt myself to help you or whatever. And I wish I was that good that I could do that. I'm like, I'm not touching that. Whatever that is, I want no part in it. Okay. And then I have the people over here that were like, how do we help them see the truth? How do we help them become, how can we we bring the the spiritual self back together? Like, is there The community can't. Um, You know, I'll use God language. Okay. um, And I'll use it as broadly as possible. Um, It's one of the foundational truths of of the Christian Jewish scriptures is that um, we're made in the image of God. And that doesn't mean a physical image, I I don't think. I don't think God is a human. God is obviously not a human. (laughs) It doesn't have a head and two arms and 
two legs and sexual organs and none of that, right? I think it's we're made in the spiritual, um, the capacity for, for love, the capacity for humility, the capacity for, so that's the image of God that's within us. And however these people get to being how they are, that image has either been completely occluded um, or it's been excised. And that, that, that's a God level thing. We, we can't do anything except um, be very clear. Today's episode is brought to you by who I consider to bring the best meat to the market, a sixth generation, 152 year old family farm in Bluffton, Georgia. It is White Oak Pastures. And they are changing the game when it comes to regenerative land management, humane, humane animal husbandry, and how to revitalize rural communities through good food for good people. They have everything from grass-fed beef, goat, lamb, to pastured rabbit, duck, turkey, heritage pork, guinea, and even chicken. You can get it all shipped to you no matter where you are. All you need to do is go online here to bit.ly forward slash Rimka White Oak. That is B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Rimka, R-I-M-K-A, White Oak. White Oak Pastures. Nobody beats them. They're the best. And what they are. And if we're in the helping profession, um, the guiding whatever, and not because I'm necessarily wise, it's just because God said, you have to walk out in front. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> right? Um, that, that's, that's, a, that got, that's a God level thing. I, I, I don't know that we can touch that. There's nothing we can do for them. The best we can do is for the community to collectively recognize that is a, that is a dangerous animal. It's in human form, but like a lion, it will eat you. Now, I, I've met some of these uh, people who uh, do have another intelligence on board. And so we come into the another realm of there are spiritual parasites and sometimes they find these people and they have an entrance and they've got an earth body to walk around in. And um, they find me, they have since I was a child. Um, and this has only happened to me a couple of times in church, but in the middle of mass, uh, the last time it happened was about four years ago. I was in Iowa, right in the middle of mass, people receiving Holy Communion. And this person walked into the church, walked straight down the aisle, um, coming right for me. And I was giving Holy Communion and I felt her and I looked at her and she came right, I mean, right up to the stairs. And she started speaking in uh, a non-human language. And the boiling black aura, I mean, I am getting goosebumps remembering it. I was giving Holy Communion and the woman and these this demonic language started coming out of this woman. I looked right at her and I said, in the name of the Lord God Almighty, be silent. She started doing this, holding her throat. She couldn't, I mean, she, she couldn't breathe. 
and her eyes got this big and she turned around and ran out. <laughs> and this is in an Episcopal church, right? <laughs> right, you know, the-, yeah. the, the I've been, I know. <laughs> The, the the golf the golf club at worship right <laughs> and everybody's eyes were like oh my god what just happened <laughs> and i and i said to everybody as she was running out i said everybody say it with me right now and they did it i was surprised i said we love you and in the name of god we love you and that woman just kept running and Oddly enough, it was the early service, the eight o'clock service with 25 people. Well, it set fire to everything. I mean, they told everybody, <laughs> it was just, it became a thing. Yeah. Um, but that's the world in which we live and it's, it can be frightening. And so I'm, most people don't want to talk about it. Most people in the church don't want to talk about it. They want to pretend that that's, that's just an epileptic person or that's a person with, schizophrenia and, and they you know god only knows what else that person has going on in their life mm -hmm. um but when you when you train or or are trained to recognize true evil right not just being a jerk but the presence of true parasitic predatory evil right um to be able to in that moment um, God made me aware, and the same way that God started to pick me up to go tell that guy on national TV that he was a liar, <laughs> I felt the same thing happen. I, I felt suddenly this uh, wondrous, loving, powerful presence come into my space and said, this is what you do, this is what you say, this is the tone of voice you use. Right, mm -hmm. um, and that takes training, and that takes um, yeah. Let, it, you keep talking about. I love this spiritual gym. Yeah. Okay. You like you know the arena. I can see it like it's a spiritual gladiator of sorts. It is. It right? absolutely is. So let's talk about that a little bit, right? Because here I am looking like parents, like what? Do, so what do I do? What do I do? And you know, let's, let's caveat it here for the li listeners. We're going to bypass. Some of you will love this about me. Some of you will hate it. I'm not Christian. Yeah. I'm not Christian, you guys at all. And I actually can't stand religion. Yeah. I don't like any, I mean, Troy knows this, right? And yet, what did I do for like so long? Mm -hmm. I go to church to watch Troy. So like I would drive down East Point. I go to mass. <laughs> I'm not Episcopalian. I don't want it. Why? And I would cry almost every time yeah, for a number of reasons. I think one, watching somebody do what they were absolutely born to do. Absolutely, yeah. You know, actualized in this is what I'm, I'm I, this is what I've wanted. I focused on it. I've been through trials and tribulations to get here. Oh my God, I got goosebumps. Troy, watching you on an altar Oh, bless you. It's, it's so beautiful. Thank you. And I don't like an Episcopalian. And you know what I'm saying? It's not that. It's like, yeah. That's someone is actualized in their divine purpose. And it really was interesting for me with 
my Catholic background, my, you know, my, my family's whole thing and my rejection of all religion, my leaving of the church. I'm like, I don't want any part of this. I, it's a fucking cult. I, you guys are nuts. <laughs> right. That's how I was seeing it at eight, nine. I'm like, I'm, what do you, what is, no. Right. Yeah. Then, and I read that whole Bible and all the kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a tap out, but, <laughs> but I see so there's, but I, I do think it's a supernatural book i think these these religions have I and mean, i think there's lots of lies in the truth right yeah, like believed in and and what is you know so there's all of that right so i go there and in your presence and it's like i'm always crying and then you would just give me the blessing it was just so gorgeous and the oh, community that you created and like just the sheer honesty and you can have the same thing you know you know watching somebody you can have that watching somebody put on a roof, really. If you're like, wow, <laughs> if they're putting that much love into what they're doing, what I'm saying. it's sure, like your sure. guiding frequency is love. Plus, you know, that divine moment. I know what it's like to have these God speak yeah, moments yeah, yeah. in all kinds of different places. And it's yeah. very different, right? It is. You know it when it happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like the, the whole thing. So I say all that to say, it's people like, okay, you guys know, like I'm, I'm not even down with any of that. And yet I deeply admire and respect you oh, and your you. choice. You know, I'm just like, yeah, like, what are you guys talking about? I hang out with it. I can, I don't get why it matters that much. Right. Because it never mattered to you and sure. it never mattered to anybody else when I was showing up there and having lunch with them. I'm like, no, I don't do all that. They're like, oh, I'm like, are we cool? They're like, yeah, I'm like, cool. Yeah. Nobody tried to convert me. Everybody just loved me. You know, like it was not a non-issue. I'm like, what? This is all love and light. And I'm about the love and the light. I don't care how you box it. Yeah. Right? So, so let's like. Of course he was like, killed. What? Of course he what? was murdered. Jesus. Yeah, right, 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 right. So like, so like the spiritual, so to me, that can come in any avenue this is a non-denominational agnostic i don't even care i mean you know i call myself an atheist forever because i didn't know what else to say sure. it was like i just don't get that i'm like i'm really not at all yeah. because i i knew that i knew too many things and felt too much stuff i'm like well i you know what i mean i feel yeah, the I benefactor I, do. I can't quite understand i don't know right yeah. but like i don't resonate with these things that you guys are all doing but i but I like what you're doing you know, when, it's done, when it's done well from a yeah. love space. And, a, and I think maybe because I've seen so many toxic narcissists and, you know, whatever that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a tap out on that. Right. And I think as a woman, I always struggled as a kid, like, what do you mean? I can't be on the altar, like yeah, you know, right. the Catholic stuff. Sure, and I'm like, sure, sure. What, what are you talking about? I, why can't she be, I can be a priest. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand any of this. Yeah. Um, right? right. So <laughs> so let's talk about like to a person like me yeah i know yeah. you know how this world you know i know you're this i don't know you're not you're a it's not like you're a non-denominational Episcopalian. <laughs> what i like to say is um to be called to call oneself a christian is grotesquely arrogant right the first people um who were called Christians, that's something somebody else calls you. Yeah. So the word Christian means little, little Christ. And so what I say is, um, I am intentionally striving to be a disciple of Jesus. Right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's the only claim I make. Now, if I'm a Christian, that's up to you. I mean, you have to tell me, right? Because 
Um, right? right, I need the feedback. Yeah, yeah. Because I well, want Right, whether Christian, Muslim, Jewish, like let's like nothing, whatever, like, you know, say, well, I'm just kind of, you know, I don't know, I'm a little agnostic, but I believe in something. Mm -hmm. But people, they're like, they are, I think we're more and more drawn because of this deep chasm we're seeing. I think people are seeing more truth. You got either like the non-humans or the easily robotic pro easily programmable that that can kind of be pulled by them mm -hmm. and then we're getting further over here with the truth tellers i feel like don't you feel like we're getting more truth tellers i think so um and it's interesting that um thankfully now we have well for now access to um this kind of media because it's you're not going to see it on mainstream media of right. any description you right. just simply are not um and you can in trying to find it, um, come across some really strange, kooky stuff. So to learn right. how to curate your yeah. um, what you digest. Yeah, to get the to spiritual curate. gym. How do you make a healthy spiritual gym practice? Like, like maybe this is a really interesting thing for parents to be like, tell me. Gym as in gymnasium, not gym yeah. as a rock. Yeah, gymnasium. Like. Like, and I know what, what you meant. I just what wanted does that to mean? Like, what should I start with my son, or what should we be thinking out? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm like, tell me, because I'm really curious. I love this. I love that you keep saying it that way. Yeah. So, um, like I say, I, I'm doing everything I can to be a disciple of Jesus, and I'm a priest um, in in the Christian Church, uh, <laughs> which is very often not very Christian. <laughs> I mean, we just have to be honest. Yeah. Um, and so to learn how to, and, and for me, as I told you, this started at a very young age because my parents engaged me. Um, they gave me my first uh, Bible when I was five. I, I was already reading, you know, it's, you know, advanced levels and whatever. So um, uh, I was constantly reading. I was constantly asking my parents, uh, we were constantly praying together as a family. My parents um, always had, I mean, for years, um, Bible studies of, of adults that they hosted at our home. And of course, I would go sit somewhere where I couldn't be seen uh, so I could listen to these adults who were striving um, to be in a relationship um, with, with Jesus and with, with the divine. Um, I learned to watch and listen to their struggles. And I also listened to uh, the different pastors that would come in and lead the Bible studies and learned how to recognize, uh, no. <laughs> you know, when a five-year-old can say, yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. No. <laughs> but I, I, other than that being a, um, just a, a gift that I, I didn't learn. It was just put there. I don't know. I, I really don't. It's been there my whole life though. Yeah. But I've had, I, I still have had to learn how to curate my life in the religious Christian world because I have not been accepted um, really anywhere except by individuals here and there in parishes where I've served. Um, I've never really been wholeheartedly embraced. Um, I went to the Roman Catholic Church uh, and they told me to 
why, why do you want to be a priest in the Roman Catholic Church? You weren't raised Roman Catholic. Get out of here, kid. I went to uh, the Greek Orthodox. They said, you're not, you're, you're not Greek. Why do you want to be a Greek priest, right? I went to the Russian Orthodox. They said the same thing. Went to the Syrian Orthodox. They said the same thing, right? So finally, I'm in my first year of grad school. I'm in Jerusalem. And uh, a friend invites me along uh, to go to this um, kind of hippie, half charismatic Anglican church in, in, in the old city. And I walked in there and there were literally people from all over the planet, every skin tone, all kinds of languages. And the, the liturgy, um, nobody could understand the words that were being said, but everybody understood what was happening. And they just, were, they just, they just engaged in their own languages. And I, it was the first, I mean, it gives me goosebumps. It was the first sense that I had. And, and these were people who had come from all over the world to Jerusalem to go see the places where all of the Bible events had happened. I mean, these were searchers, like these people were hungry. And that uh, was the first time I ever felt accepted in, right, in Christian community. And of course, as soon as I came back to the States, that went, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because here's a guy, you know, he already speaks uh, six languages and, and, you know, he's blah, blah. So it just took forever. And um, it took being accused by committees of being a liar, of, I mean, all kinds, you just cannot believe the gatekeepers who have, I mean, bless them, the, the spirituality of a rock. <laughs> but, the, but they're the gatekeepers that we put aside yeah. who gets through. And just by sheer grace, I, I, I don't know how I made it and actually got ordained because up until the night of my ordination, my bishop came to me and he is the only bishop I've ever known who was actually a pastor. Hmm. Only one out of literally hundreds that I've known. Uh -huh. He was a pastor. And he said to me, Troy, it's very likely that they're going to, people are gonna stand up and object because there's this kind of like, you know, when you get married, if anybody, has a reason why these two should not be married. Mm -hmm. Speak now, hold your peace. Yeah, yeah. Same thing at the ordination, right? Wow. And the bishop said, "Be ready," because I'm I'm sure <gasps> that this is going to happen. And I said, "Okay, so what do we do?" He says, "Well, when it happens, everything stops, and we take the protester, and we go to a room, and we talk, and we invite." you know, the people in and we have a confab and then we'll see, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Um, I think that that small little church was so filled with love that even if they were there, <laughs> the space just would not, would just immediately eject it. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know about this story. Yeah. Wow. He said, so be ready. Okay. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Okay. So, so here's the thing. Can I just say the elephant in the room? I mean, mm -hmm. can we just say it? Right. So when I met you, you guys, when he met me, he wasn't a priest yet and he, you'd been rejected. Yeah. Oh yeah. Many, whenever, a lot of times. Lot of times and, yeah. yeah. And at this point, I remember it was a course, it was a, like self-development course we took. And then it was like 
coming back several times, you guys. So we, we did this thing and we would come back and assist and stuff like that. And then at one point it was yeah. like, okay, everybody, we need to gather and help Troy because I think it was Jim, as a matter of fact, I don't know, but somebody was like, like you weren't a student, but it was like, we're going to help. Everybody's going to ask you to pray for Troy to send love and light, whatever, because you were waiting, like this was it. And for you, you were sobbing, like, you would hit that point, I think, like maybe if I finally don't get this time, I think I'm gonna quit. Like I don't think, yeah, like I don't, it's it. Like I I can't keep doing this to my, like I can't keep getting rejected or whatever the situation was. Right? Self-abuse, right? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, right? Well, I'm flogging myself and I'm done. And so I remember, you know, it was just this beautifully sweet I remember moment that a hundred people, whatever, you know, like, yeah. And it was the thing. And so we kind of really heard the story of like, yeah, I might have known you wanted to be a priest. I was like, you want to be a what? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, for real? yeah, like, are you getting me? You know what I mean? Like, you're so cute and stuff. Why do you want to do that? Right. So, right. yeah, it was like, okay. I'm like, but I want whatever you want. I want you, I want whatever you want. We want, that's what we want for you. Right. Yeah. That was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, right. So I remember that. And like, so was the big deal because you were gay? That's part of it. Um, and again, here, there's another word. Right. Um, and, or whatever. Like this was 20 some years ago. And this was the word I knew. But like to yeah. me, wasn't it like you were the first gay yes. priest in the Southeast or something like that yeah. allowed or whatever? Yeah. And it, it caused after I was ordained um, that diocese, I mean, lost its you know what mm. and that my bishop took um took a lot of hits for that wow. but he did it anyway because he loved me right. and he recognized what god was doing in my life yeah. um, that transcended really simplistic um categories right. of, of human sexuality um that have now been of course weaponized um and are 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 scattershot, they're not very accurate. Um, but we use them because it's, you know, it's easy then to say, well, here's a here's a longer string of letters than LGBTQI, blah, 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 blah. Right. This, is, this is how I understand myself, right? So sometimes it's just easier to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but I was, I was the first acknowledgedly um, gay yeah. priest to be ordained yeah. there. Um, and it caused, uh, Actually, after I left that diocese a year later and went to New York, when the next diocesan convention uh, met, which is an annual thing, um, they passed a couple of new uh, provisions that would make sure that never happened again. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, this is bizarrely, and I found out because I was um, in New York and I was, I was a priest and I'd gone down to my seminary for some odd reason, I forgot. Uh, but a friend of mine, she was working in the library and she says, oh, you need to meet uh, Ron and who's just finishing up his doctorate. And so I said, oh, okay. She said, oh, he's from the same, he's from the same diocese where you were ordained. I was like, oh, I don't know him, but yeah, it's great, let's go talk. And he, so we started talking and then he went, oh, you're that Troy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, what, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cute one? No. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> yeah, the really smart one. Which one yeah. are you talking about? Like, and he yeah. said, the, the next 
convention, they passed all these just, you know, medieval gateway, you know, restrictions that would keep anybody a thousand miles away. <laughs> um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Neither did I until this guy was like, oh, you're that Troy. <laughs> and it turns out I've had that experience maybe two, three more times. Um, I've had people say, just in conversation, oh, you're that Troy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize oh, that was so notorious in the church just for standing right. up there. I mean, it's so odd for me as a non-church outside person who knows you, where I'm like, who yeah. could not like you? What? Like you are the, Thank I you. mean, anybody who's listening, if you we can see him, it's even, even more intense. Like you're just like this little shining light kind of cherub thing. So. Like, honestly, that I'm like, what? You know, like you can't, you can just feel it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like he's, you're, you just feel Thank the beautiful you. love, strength, integrity, character. You know what I mean? It's Thank so you. obvious. And that's just says so much that they are so ruffled and, and disheveled. And I love the word deformed. I guess I feel like when you bring something of beauty before something that's deformed, it does not like it, yeah. you know, actually. Yeah. So, wow. And that's one of the things if, and I understood this early and it was a choice I made when I was, I remember I was five and I remember hearing, having a conversation with Jesus. He says, okay, so this is what I'm proposing. And if this is what you do for your whole life and you're a, a beacon of my love and my light in a fallen and darkened world, um, you're gonna attract all kinds of awfulness, and it's true. Um, you know, I was uh, I was uh, uh, sexually assaulted for years um, by someone in my family, and then ultimately raped when I was twelve. Um, and uh, I tried to commit suicide, right? Because I I was just done. I was like I was twelve. I was like, okay, I get what you said to me when I was five, but really, <laughs> here I come heaven, I'm done. Yeah. And I, you know, had the conversation. Uh, yes, absolutely. You can come on home, but I really need you and the world needs you and people need you. So if you're willing to go back, it's still going to keep, maybe not sexual abuse, but you're, when you stand up and you're willing to hold up a light, right? It attracts all kinds of dark things. It also attracts people searching for the light, but it also attracts creatures who try to feed off the light, who want to extinguish the light at all cost. Um, so it's, it's it's not any it's not easy. No. Um, it just. Something I remember it, about you when we would go out to eat and stuff. Whatever we would do, anything. Back in the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> you would always wear the collar. You'd always, when you're, and I said, do you ever feel, well, actually, Stephanie, it's a choice because yeah. I never know who mm -hmm. might need me. Yeah. And you'd be amazed when they see me over here eating lunch and doing this or that. How still they'll have the energy. I know you, I can tell, right? Mm -hmm. Like for you, it's like, 
No, because I'm here of that service. Like it doesn't matter that this is my day off because it's not my day off. And I don't know who might need to walk up to me to yeah. say, I needed to see you. Can I tell you this? Can I, Father, can I ask you this? Or can you pray for me? Or I'm and, hungry. Will you uh, buy me groceries? Yeah. I mean, it. Troy, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> How did you get Thanks. like this? I mean, I. I know it's like, how, how do I ask you to give me advice? I don't know. Cause I know some of this is like how I get like, I don't know. I can't teach you to know things. I just know them. I just was born this way. It is what it is. And there are things that I did to strengthen myself. There are ways I learned to say, I don't care if you don't like it or not. And I learned to toughen it. You know what I mean? There are things I had to do to not, I wasn't liked a lot either, but truth tellers are not liked period. No, no, we're not. So talking about how do you teach it how do you yeah how what can we do what do you pass it on what are some suggestions what are you know mm -hmm. you had it very good and with some really dark shit in there too to go with like wow like and i and i hope people will hear that because you know, the amount, I mean, you know, I specialize in this kind of stuff. I get tons of this is people come to me always after suicide attempts or PTSD. And I mean, to me, I live in a world that isn't everybody molested and raped because everyone yeah, in my patients is, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. uh, and they can hear it and be like, wait, him too. And he look yeah. at him now, hear him now. How yeah. did you heal? What did you do? Yeah. How are you not walking around with the wounds bleeding of a teenager just <laughs> infesting other people around you right and because we all have those and we all yeah. have these moments we do right? absolutely I'll have moments with my son i'll realize in a fight trial back i'll go oh my god i said bennett actually uh i am like 12 right now i cannot talk with you and he's like what i said no no mommy and i would say i have to walk away i am coming back i'm just going to go in my bedroom i yeah. And I, and then I eventually got older. I said, because you remind me right now of my brother yeah. and I'm like 12 and I actually don't yeah. know what I, I can't handle it. I, I don't know what to, and I'm, cause I know I'm going to say something stupid because I'm like a 12 year old because I got to me. Right. Right. Uh, of course it does. And I do and the so, same thing. I just say, I I'm some angry. parents don't know that they're like, it's okay to say, Whoa, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. uh, this reminds me of this you remind me of my brother and like oh sometimes like i can't handle this right <laughs> you know what i mean like oh, like one of the greatest truths that got dropped into my soul it was the one piece for the community where we met and were engaged with for some time the one thing that i went there to learn and i didn't know what it was but i kept going back until i discovered it and i i, I discovered it with jim and is that uh uh, being angry is not uh, doesn't make you not a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. That being angry doesn't mean you're out of control. Being angry doesn't mean you're going to hurt somebody. Uh, ang angry um, uh, simply says that you you feel that somebody has crossed a line somewhere, and it's just a it's it's a it's a warning system. Yeah. Something's not right. Look for it and to have an appropriate response. And so what I learned, um, it was one of those things. So Jim, right, being Jim, he's like six foot, whatever, you know, it, big as a bear. And only using the word no, I had to make him back up across the room. Right. And he was my abuser, right? right? It took me like two hours. 
I remember, I remember these. I, I was there for that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you guys, we did, it's, we'll get into it, but this is we did a lot of inner child work and gestalt, yeah. a lot of um, experiential stuff to actually change your neurophysiology. We made you practice it. Like, okay, pick up. And that is essential. It, you have to, you have to be practice it in a safe space. And he's mentioning somebody. So Jim Curley will be on the show. Oh, he is an, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim, we've already, he's already said yes. And he's an extraordinary human being. He's 82 years young. He's yeah. um, former Marine drill sergeant, engineer, college professor, you PhD, you name it. This guy yeah. has done it all. Yeah. Husband, father of three boys and yeah. Uh, he's been on the brink many times and he's been through some dark shit. Uh, we just spoke last week on his birthday for about an hour and already with the stories he had to say, so I cannot wait. So for those of you, when you guys hear him and what, who we're talking about, yeah. that's how much this man has impacted us in, in, in thousands of others, right? And I wish because that community, and not to speak ill of anybody, but that community because it made itself um, immune from anybody's, ex any authority except mm -hmm. the, the prime guru. Yeah. yeah. Um, that inevitably, every single time, becomes toxic. Yeah. And it gets to the point where you no longer, you can't, you can't go there because it's no longer a healthy spiritual gymnasium. Yeah. And if I could find one, if I knew of one, I would go be an angel again. I would go and be part of it. <laughs> I, and I've tried to turn every parish where I've worked into something like that. Um, in my case, it's through teaching. Um, I do a lot of world history, um, history of world religions, development of world religions, you know, it, that kind of stuff. Um, but for me, um, you know, you, you expressed it. Um, you don't identify as a Christian, but when you would come to the liturgy, you, you could feel something, right? Um, and I get criticized a lot by uh, bishops and other clergy because most of the time, once the liturgy starts and I intone the first invitation, Right, and I sing everything. Sing, I, that's the thing. He sings everything. You sing also very different rare. languages. <laughs> You don't, you sing Latin and all this shit. I'm like this, I was like. So when I do it. Yeah, you you feel the resonance is extraordinary. So I'm like, I'm getting, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I'm getting washed and purified and all of this. Like I'm, I'm all about it. If it was like that all the time, I'd be there. I don't so, care what, what are you talking about? How much truth is divine truth. Yeah. Truth, truth is truth is truth is truth is truth. Yeah, and you sing it in the in the original words. I mean, I that's what I went. Wow. And what happens to me, um, pretty much without fail, is when I raise my hands and intone the first in, the invitation into the experience, um, I almost immediately become very altered. Um, the building disappears. Um, the people are all there. But we're 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 not in a physical building anymore, <laughs> and there are all kinds of light beings yeah. who are participating, and you know raise up the body and blood of Christ. If I look up, there's this tunnel of light with billions and billions of these spiritual beings going up into 
pure brightness. And I'm really altered during the whole thing. And it, it really takes uh, the, the deacon saying, um, uh, the mass has ended, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And I will be altered for quite a while um, by that. Um, and so it's always been my hope and my prayer that when I step into that non-dimensional <laughs> space with all of what I'm seeing is going on <laughs> and I'm watching what's happening to the people and I'm seeing the spirits come and attending to the people and right my hope is that somebody feels just one tiny bit of that um, and comes away feeling in some way um, enlightened. And, and, and that's, a, that's a loaded word, but with all the light that I see, just some touch of that, if you can come away with just some piece of that light mm -hmm. on you, in you, around you, <laughs> in the general vicinity that you can take with you that that's the that's the i think that's the most powerful tool um and it's not even my tool that's when i become the most powerful tool in the hand of the one who actually loves us and wants to transform us into wholeness into in, into being integrated loving, mm -hmm. humble, and strong people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Troy, <laughs> I swear I could like, I don't know, like, I feel like, how did I have I not been talking to you all the time all these years? With all the I and you becoming a mother and I'm like, oh, I know. And I'm like, I, I just, I, you know, Church of Troy, yeah. that's all, that's really all I need. And just, I pray for you all the time. I just hope you I, know that. Thank you, Troy. You, you, you and me always have fun. It's and it, you know, so isn't it so interesting for us? Like when you, see, I still I look at you and I'm like, oh man, you got like McMahon face hair things happening. <laughs> and you I know, just shoot a lot of it off. You were so like baby faced baby back. You were even though you were like 29, 30. I'm like, you what? You look like 16. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You look so like. It's like, oh my God, you're getting, you're like so manly now, <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh yeah, so am I. Like, I'm so old, I'm 49. Oh, like, we're it's just, gray here now. Yeah, like, right? <laughs> I look at you and I still see back then and then now, and it's not like to sound, because I'm certainly not your mother and I'm, I'm younger than you, but it is that that whole like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. You Thank know, you. like, I'm so proud of like who you've become and- <laughs> that I've been blessed to know you, right? Yeah. And so there's interesting things you said. So to me, like strength, right? So maybe like even, I don't want to put words in your mouth, like what you think a strong man is, but you said these things around basically like this emotional maturity and it's an adult on board, humility and humility love. Is key. These are the big things, love. And like, these are like these big things. Mm -hmm. I may have missed something. And then it was like, what I heard was like kind of like the biggest hiccup kind of for anybody, but I really think it happens a lot with men is mm. not understanding anger. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that's a big issue where people like- We've been taught that that's toxically male if you're right. angry. Right, yes. That's not true. No. <laughs> at no, all. Not at all. 
you need it. I you learned know? how to be angry and I can tell people and it, that freaks up my mom, right? Yeah. If I get angry, so when I get angry around people, I do what you, you, you said to be, this isn't about you. I'm not angry at you. I'm not angry with you. I'm experiencing anger. If that is really upsetting and triggering you, I can go somewhere else. Um, and I'm not rejecting you by doing that, um, but I'm going to feel angry until I don't need to feel angry. <laughs> And that's okay, but I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going to. And here's what becomes toxic, because we don't know. We're not taught how to be emotionally mature. So when we have a powerful emotion, like angry, we immediately have to find a source because we don't know how to contain it. We have to release it, right? And that's usually in the form of aggression, whether it's verbal, physical, sexual, right? Mm -hmm. Same is true for the powerful emotion of love. The first thing that I, because I don't know how to embody this um, and not be controlled by it, well, the first thing I'm, I'm going to go do is I'm going to be inappropriately sexual um, or appropriately sexual, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, that, but that comes with the, the, the spiritual gymnasium yeah. of, of learning how to build those muscles that these things don't control me. They're powerful. I feel them. They move me. And if I recognize that I can't contain it in a healthy fashion around people, I'll just go, like you said, I'm going to go in my room for a while, or I'm going to go out in the backyard for a while until, until it's not moving me. Um, I'm moving it. This Troy is very similar. Like every man I've interviewed, has pretty much, they haven't talked about the love as much as you, right? Which makes total sense because you are just a complete like love light being. But the anger piece, like yeah. it's like, it's so much energy we have. And so I really think, uh, please parents, especially women, these are two areas, love, mm -hmm. which leads to sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. And anger, which can lead to violence, mm -hmm. let's say, yeah. that women as mothers are incredibly uncomfortable with. They don't sure. know how to teach their boys. They want to suppress it. They want sure. to hide it. They want to ignore it because maybe they've been traumatized by it. Maybe they don't know what to do with it. It's confusing. Like, oh, my little baby's going to be like, oh God, I don't want to know about it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's the feminization of the school system. There's yeah. like what's happening to boys is like, there's no space for them to be that. And that's what I've yeah, really boys. seen. Like, like, like you're not allowed to do any contact. Like these kids, they can't play two and touch football because that's too violent. I'm like, is what? I wouldn't send my kids to public school if I had children and I wish I did, but I, I would not put my, my children in a government controlled public education system. That's, it's, we are subjecting, and this culture right now, we are subjecting our children to the most grotesque forms of distortion, um, and, and emotional and spiritual and physical violence. Today's episode is brought to you by the most effective magnesium product on the market today, Magnesium Breakthrough. Why does it matter? Because 70 to 80% of us are deficient in magnesium, and this may be the largest health problem we're facing today. Three things chronically deplete us of magnesium, stress, sugar, and medications. But Magnesium Breakthrough taken every night will begin to bring balance to over 300 reactions depending upon magnesium every single day. 
You can check it out with the link in the description. Go to my store at brainandbodysolutions.com forward slash shop or go to bit.ly forward slash mag Dr. Rimka. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash M-A-G-D-R-R-I-M-K-A. Magnesium Breakthrough. And that's it for part one. You do not want to miss part two. Father Troy dropped some bombs that had my jaw on the floor. Please subscribe to however you listen to this podcast and get on my email uh, newsletter list and you'll be sure to never miss anything.